You're listening to Ideas Aloud, a podcast series by the Institute for Democracy and Economic Affairs, Ideas Malaysia. I'm Siti Nurbaya and joining, joining us today is Juki Hong, Executive Director of Chari ASEAN Research and Advocacy. Juki is a policy advocate for ASEAN Economic Integration and heads Chari, an independent think tank that is dedicated to support the ASEAN Economic Integration by advocacy and research. How are you, Juki? I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, and hello to all the listeners. Thank you for taking time off your busy schedule to be with us. In this episode, we will be talking about ASEAN financial and capital market integration. Um, a little bit of background since the ASEAN financial crisis of 1997-1998, uh, ASEAN have continuously worked towards regional integration and the region's financial and capital markets with a complement of financial inclusion and financial stability. This is formalized in 2003 when ASEAN finance ministers endorsed the roadmap for monetary and financial integration of ASEAN, RIAFIN. It covers financial services liberalization, capital account liberalization and capital market development. Later on, ASEAN endorsed two economic blueprints, ASEAN Economic Community in 2007 and 2016 to guide the bloc in an ambitious goal of creating a single market and production base by 2025. So perhaps, Juki, you could tell us what would be the benefits of greater intra-ASEAN financial integration and cooperation? Thank you, Norbaya, and uh, um, thanks again for having me. And Um, before we really go into the um, into answering your question, uh, I hope to be able to share my observations um, today, drawing from um, the papers that we have published before, uh, and also as an observer of the ASEAN engagement process with the private sector. And allow me to start by pointing out that ASEAN does not intend to achieve full integration in the financial sector uh, that is similar to the EU. I know we often compare ASEAN with the EU, but the reality is there is this gap of aspiration and this has to be the baseline understanding we must have. Yeah, so if you look at the five characteristics of the ASEAN economic community, you would notice that among the aspirations of the AEC uh, is to have free flow of goods, free flow of services, free flow of investment, uh, free flow of skilled labor, but freer flow of capital. So we should set our expectations that the aspiration is rather conservative. Yeah, so going back to your question, uh, we can look at this from two angles, from the private sector and the public sector's point of view. First, for the private sector's point of view, a greater intra-ASEAN financial integration and cooperation should translate into benefits, such as um, market access for banks, to offer financial services freely in ASEAN, operating as local banks, uh, such as through the status of qualified ASEAN banks. And uh, for financial institutions, they can reap the benefits of uh, economies of scale by being able to have access to a larger customer base, greater access to diverse cross-border investment choices, and tap on a larger pool of investors. Um, for businesses, they can uh, benefit from Uh, access to larger pools of financing at lower costs uh, 
a broader investor base through foreign investors and retail participation, reduced transaction costs from harmonized regulations and common infrastructure, facilitating the ease of regional expansion. And for, for investors, they can enjoy the benefits of enhanced competition in the form of a wider choice of products and services, better innovation and lower prices from competing businesses. And most importantly, integrated and efficient financial capital markets are also essential to effectively foster and grow a vibrant SME segment, which is crucial uh, to the growth of uh, emerging economies in ASEAN. Now, for ASEAN policymakers, governments and regulators, that is from the public sector point of view, they can ensure that more economically efficient deployment and allocation of capital and surplus savings. Uh, there's going to be improvement of regulatory standards through the adoption of best practices. They can also offer better protection to investors, uh, create a more resilient financial sector through the development of regionally competitive banks and enhance ability to respond to external shocks through improved financial infrastructure, deeper and broader capital markets. Well, as you mentioned earlier, indeed, there are at least five main areas of work that ASEAN is looking at to bring the benefits that I mentioned earlier to life, but focusing more on managing risks and ensuring financial stability in ASEAN. And these are like financial services liberalization, capital market development, uh, capital account liberalization, currency cooperation, and taxation cooperation. Now, just to touch on the qualified ASEAN banks, yeah, the QABs that I mentioned earlier, uh, the, the arrangements are carried out on a bilateral basis. And I believe that um, the countries involved are Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand and the Philippines. But um, the progress, however, of the QAB has been very slow. And in fact, we are now seeing that digital banks may advance greater liberalization in the banking sector as some countries actually have lower minimum paid up capital requirements than traditional banks. And for currency cooperation among um, ASEAN, uh, Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, and the Philippines um, uh, had, uh, they had bilateral efforts in local currency settlement. Uh, the challenge is that uh, how to maximize utilization of the facility by the private sector. And this is based on a feedback that, um, that I got from one of the consultation meetings uh, with the ASEAN finance ministers and central bank governors that I was privileged to be a part of in Chiang Rai uh, when Thailand hosted the AFMGM meeting in 2019 before COVID-19 pandemic. Right. What are other challenges uh, in developing uh, greater linkages between ASEAN's capital markets? Well, I think um, in a narrow sense, uh, if we're just looking at the capital market, the main challenge is the disparity in size and depth of ASEAN capital markets. At the moment, Thailand, Singapore, Malaysia's capital markets are leading in size and depth compared to other AMSs. And this disparity actually hampers efforts to develop meaningful ASEAN-level linkages. Now, case in point is the ASEAN trading link, which only started with these three countries to begin with. And uh, later on, it was decommissioned after five years in the year 2017. 
the ASEAN Trading Link uh, originally intended to uh, provide a single entry point to all three exchanges, but the benefit was not obvious to brokerages that already had access to these markets. And, and also one other problem is that it does not provide an end-to-end -end settlement and clearing system. So the uh, decommissioning of the ATL, the ASEAN Trading Link, is considered uh, a setback for ASEAN capital market integration and cooperation efforts. But more broadly, there are other challenges in other areas, um, such as um, policy and regulation. Um, there is this uh, regulatory misalignment. There, is, uh, there are capital controls and exchange restrictions, differences in regulations, uh, uh, be it economic policies or tax regime. Uh, banking regulations and etc. There are also portfolio restrictions on institutional investors. And uh, there's always this um, uh, competition between sovereign interests versus ASEAN benefits. And there's no supranational legal power or system to coordinate all these um, rules and regulations. That's where the misalignment is. Now, in terms of infrastructure, the infrastructure in the ASEAN financial sector is currently disjointed and needs to be harmonized and connected. And the key challenges include uh, disparate standards that prevent efficient cross-border payment and settlement, making it time-consuming and less economical. Uh, in the stock market, there is this lack of centralized clearing services establishment to enable efficient post-trade clearing and settlement at the ASEAN level. And when it comes to capital flows, cross-border capital flows are subjected to control in the form of permission, um, uh, ex-ante reporting, and uh, quantity restrictions. Uh, there are also deferring currencies and lack of interest rates integration, which hinders the seamlessness and cost-effectiveness of um, foreign exchange flows. There is uh, also this problem of potential high cost for cross-border transaction processing due to um, its complex nature. Not, not only that, in terms of uh, cross-border banking, it is still very fragmented and it's hindered by regulation as well. Significant gaps have been found in the banking system, especially between uh, two groups of ASEAN countries, uh, the ASEAN 5 and the CLMV, the Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, Vietnam and Brunei. Um, they have less developed um, capacities or capabilities and lack competitiveness. Um, also, um, there are regulations preventing regionalization. In some countries, national laws uh, differentiating between uh, foreign and local banks are present. Uh, that impact the ability of uh, foreign or ASEAN banks to obtain bank licenses or buy stakes in local firms. Of course, we know that there is QAB, but the QAB is not fully operationalized, I believe, and also the um, target is very, very low. And for comparison, uh, the EU accomplished the liberalization of cross-border banking through a single passport system. It allows financial services operators that are legally established in one member state to establish and provide services in other member states without further authorization requirements. Now, the key considerations for ASEAN will be what safeguards to put in place to protect less developed members 
uh, while achieving non-discrimination and get to a single passport system. And as I said, uh, in ASEAN, we have the QAB. Uh, it is a bilateral arrangement and only uh, ASEAN has a target of only two QABs um, for this uh, blueprint that ends by the end of 2025. So I think uh, ASEAN does have a challenge in terms of aspiration. Let's look at fintech and ESG, environment, socio and uh, corporate governance. How do these uh, two elements play a role in ASEAN's financial uh, integration efforts? Um, for fintech, I think the biggest value it brings um, to ASEAN is uh, that it's able to help achieve financial inclusion. But in fact, we should look beyond fintech as today, digital technologies such as blockchains, central bank digital currencies, uh, CBDC may make it possible to circumvent uh, the barriers that previously were hindering deeper cooperation among uh, AMS, at least partially. Now, all these technologies provide the foundation for technological interoperability and harmonization of standards thus narrowing the gap to just probably regulatory harmonization before integration can actually happen. Now, FinTech's role in achieving financial inclusion is ASEAN um, is that uh, it's worth mentioning that in the AEC Blueprint 2025, um, financial inclusion is one of the three strategic objectives of the financial sector integration vision of 2025, um, other than the other two being um, financial integration and financial stability. But in ASEAN, 70% of the 670 million people or population is unbanked. And only 33% of SMEs in ASEAN have access to loans and lines of credit. So ASEAN is very, very far from achieving financial inclusion. So FinTech can um, help solve the problem of access um, for various income segments of the society, as well as for the MSMEs, and then promote intra-ASEAN trade. The fintech industry may be able to help achieve the action plan um, of financial integration by 2025, supported by other work, or rather the work of other ASEAN bodies. For example, uh, in the year um, 2019, at the 35th ASEAN Summit, held in Bangkok, the ASEAN Digital Integration Framework Action Plan, DFAT 2019-2025, was adopted. Uh, so there is some work that has been done, but gaps remain. So in order to bridge the gaps, the key lies in harmonization of regulations and standards in the areas of digital finance, financial services to pave the way for alignment and then integration. Which brings me to my next point. Um, the other area that we need to look at is the interoperability of fintech services in ASEAN. When we talk about ASEAN as a single market, a regional cross-border payment system would bring ASEAN closer to financial integration. For example, uh, I know that uh, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos and Singapore had explored the interoperability of QR codes to promote utilization of cashless payment schemes across the region. But just this year, Singapore and Thailand, and also Thailand and Vietnam, have already come together to collaborate to advance real-time retail payments. So we're definitely seeing how FinTech has helped, uh, has played a role to achieve system integration. Yeah. Now, 
let's go to the ESG aspect, the, um, the role of ESG, but I'm just going to touch on the environment um, uh, element of it. Well, the need to incorporate ESG element in all aspects of businesses has never been more paramount than now, especially for the sustainability or environment aspect um, for business due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the climate crisis that we're experiencing now. Within the context of ASEAN financial integration, existing work plans, um, the ASEAN Credit Market Forum, uh, ACMF, uh, has been the most advanced when it comes to pushing the sustainability agenda. For example, the ACMF re released the ASEAN Green Bond Standards in 2018 with uh, quite uh, a detailed criteria, such as they talk about the criteria for the ASEAN Green Bonds. Uh, they also have a guideline on the use of proceeds, uh, the process for project evaluation and selection, and the management of proceeds. Yeah, and uh, this year, ASEAN has also set up a taxonomy board to develop a multi-tiered ASEAN taxonomy for sustainable finance uh, called ASEAN taxonomy that will identify economic activities that are sustainable and help direct investment and funding towards a sustainable ASEAN. So it's supposed to be an overarching guide for all ASEAN member states complementing their respective national sustainability uh, initiatives and serving as ASEAN's common language for sustainable finance. So since this is actually driven by um, ASEAN finance ministers and central bank governors and ASEAN capital markets regulators, ASEAN insurance regulators, um, and the respective um, bodies in ASEAN, such as the ASEAN Senior Level Committee and Financial Integration and ASEAN Working Committee on Capital Market Development, uh, we can, uh, it's safe to say that we will see more and more of the sustainability agenda and element being integrated in ASEAN financial integration efforts. I know that you have said, said earlier that uh, we shouldn't compare with EU, but is there any elements in uh, European Union's own effort in fostering common financial market or what are the differences that we can learn from EU? Yeah, yes, indeed. I, I know I've said this at the beginning of the discussion that um, ASEAN has uh, uh, no intention to mirror the EU in financial integration. But if we actually look at um, EU, um, e the EU achieved financial integration by requiring member states to give up monetary sovereignty. And that's uh, a very, very tall order if ASEAN were to ask for the same thing. Uh, and e the EU has created supervisory and supranational institutions such as uh, the European Monetary System, the European Monetary Union, and the European Central Bank, and even the exchange rate mechanism. So by referencing the EU model, there are clear benefits of the EU financial and capital market integration that ASEAN um, should take note of. Um, for sure, the single currency of euro uh, provided a major boost to the integration of financial markets. And there are reports that have found that increasing European integration within the EU single market has had a positive impact on economic growth in all founding countries. The deeper and tighter the integration, the more economic benefits are realized. There was an increase in investment flows 
improved efficiency uh, led by a decrease in, in financial costs, particularly in the banking sector and capital market, and a rising trend of financial professional movement in the region. There is a level playing field for financial services providers in the EU across member states through mutual recognition of banks through the single passport that I mentioned earlier. There is also more efficient allocation of credit um, aided by low cross-border spreads through free flow of information and capital. And the EU has also got the single rule book uh, which creates a unified regulatory framework for the EU financial sector such as the single uh, supervisory mechanism, the single resolution mechanism, including the single resolution fund. So the strong rule of law and good governance helped the EU significantly by building trust in the banking system and capital markets. So what can ASEAN learn from this, especially in the absence of supranational infrastructure and mechanisms? I think first thing is that we need to realize that there are great disparities among the ASEAN member states and the disparities are larger than those faced by the EU members. And because of this disparity, um, the ASEAN minus X approach can be deployed or uh, used or implemented for integration to proceed ahead of the rest, the rest of the lesser developed countries. And ASEAN needs to really consider to best address individual so sovereign interests or benefits versus common goals of the integration and how to share benefits. And um, perhaps the lesser developed ASEAN member states could delay um, integration and opt to focus on capacity building before opening up their financial systems. And uh, there's also the other aspect, um, which is the regulatory and policy harmonization, which are very, very imperative, or rather, uh, which is very imperative in uh, capital controls, economic policies, tech regimes, and banking regulations. Um, before integration, I think at least the policies must be harmonized or aligned. Uh, Cross-border resolution mechanisms should be put in place. Uh, there should be, uh, for example, the development of an efficient system for policy coordination. Yes, we cannot integrate, but can we coordinate Yeah, so that it can play a better role in the integration process later on? Let's first align and then we can harmonize and then we integrate. Yeah, There should also be some sort of um, convergence of regulatory and supervisory frameworks um, uh, which was evident, uh, evident in the region to support the progress of integration process. And uh, finally, there's another point that, uh, of course, um, to safeguard the interests of the region, adequate safeguards need to be put in place to protect against macroeconomic instability and systemic risks, uh, especially for countries in the earlier stages of financial market maturity, uh, which may face challenges of capital outflows and uh, competitive measures. With everything that we have heard from you just now, being uh, ASEAN being ambitious, and but yet uh, the, uh, the movement is uh, rather slow, and all that, um, and there are also all the challenges that we are facing. How can ASEAN ensure that its work towards regional integration in the region's financial and capital markets also take into consideration the financial inclusion? 
Yes, um, as mentioned earlier, financial inclusion is the new goal for financial sector besides uh, financial stability and financial integration. But I think, put it simply, ASEAN needs to cooperate to ensure the unbanked become banked and the uninsured become insured and making capital accessible to the MSMEs. ASEAN needs to um, uh, realize that the goals that it has set for itself, yeah, just make it happen. With regards to access to capital, if we look at the AC 2025 blueprint, there are provisions already for this goal, um, and I quote, promoting financial inclusion to deliver financial products and services to a wider community that is underserved, including the MSMEs. There are uh, initiatives to explore the uh, establishment of credit bureaus to facilitate the MSMEs in establishing credit standing to improve access to financing. Um, they're also talking about uh, establishing credit guarantee institutions to provide credit enhancement to MSMEs that do not have collateral and other appropriate facilities or mechanisms that will provide financial access for the MSMEs, as well as debt resolution agency to assist distressed but viable MSMEs. So if we turn to uh, the so-called um, unbanked population, ASEAN also has ambition to reduce the average financial exclusion level from the ASEAN region uh, for the ASEAN region from 44% to 30% by 2025 um, and also to enhance readiness of financial inclusion infrastructure for ASEAN region from 70% to 85% by 2025 and also to increase access and quality of financial services to all segments. So I think it has already set and some goals for itself, I think what ASEAN has to do is to make them happen. But if you look at the uh, insurance segment yeah, for the uninsured, today there are already new insure tech companies that are offering uh, or making insurance available at your fingertips at very low costs. And the key is um, providing regional coverage. Um, so I guess uh, with all that being said, I think with the hyper acceleration of digital adoption of payment and lending service in ASEAN that we are observing because of COVID-19, ASEAN just needs to deliver the promises by its promises we're working collectively to provide the regulatory harmonization that technology is unable to achieve so that to provide an enabling environment for, for financial inclusion to be achieved. And ASEAN needs to work with the private sector and have um, uh, con consultation with greater depth and not just by ticking the boxes because all these technologies are provided by the private sector. And um, it, for its part, um, ASEAN needs to better align regulatory framework to pave way for better cooperation among the AMS. Well, I like how you put it, make it happen. ASEAN has to make it happen. So how can ASEAN balance its commitments uh, towards greater regional financial cooperation and at the same time maintaining regional financial stability? Yeah, for this part, you actually mentioned it in your opening that a, a large part of ASEAN's work has been centered exactly on financial stability since the Asian financial crisis in the 97-98 um, crisis. Now, and ASEAN has embarked on um, 
the journey of having uh, made progress in setting regional directions in the past 20 years or so. You mentioned that the roadmap for uh, roadmap for monetary and financial integration of ASEAN, the RIAFIN, and also the ASEAN Banking Integration Framework and the Insurance Integration Framework 2020, and also the strategic action plans for financial integration between the year 2016 to 2025, and even the strategic action plans for taxation cooperations. But when it comes to ensuring financial stability in the region, um, ASEAN has established the Macroeconomic and Finance Surveillance Office in 2010. I think it's now called the ASEAN Integration Monitoring Directorate. Um, there's also a regional economic surveillance and crisis management under the ASEAN Plus, Plus 3 finance cooperation with um, China, Korea and Japan. Um, they've also, under which they have established working bodies in support of, uh, with the support of uh, the ADB, Asian Development Bank, to enhance regional financial stability and promoting local currency debt markets. They establish um, bodies such as AMRO, the ASEAN Plus 3 Macroeconomic Research Office, uh, as the macroeconomic and financial surveillance body that also operates the um, uh, Chiang Mai Initiative multilateralization um, as a um, the region's financial safety net with a 240 billion US dollars. Now it shows that there are regional cooperation efforts among the ASEAN and with the ASEAN plus three frameworks but the real test is whether ASEAN can really respond to financial shocks collectively in times of crisis. I think especially for the uh, Chiang Mai Initiative Multilateralization, CMIM, it has been criticized to be underutilized and it has a very low overall funding uh, amount. And the process for application, the funding uh, application is, is very complicated. But, uh, but my observation is that um, ASEAN member states still function very much independently. Actually, we don't have to go very far. We just have to look at, you know, during this pandemic, ASEAN has set up a something like an emergency response funds, which I understand that ASEAN had difficulty in uh, channeling the funds pledged by donor countries at the beginning. That shows you the agility is not there, actually. And another frustration is that in the absence of uh, um, such uh, very well-coordinated and structured um, uh, infrastructure, uh, in ASEAN, there is this um, uh, request to have pulled procurement of vaccines, which didn't happen, which could not happen because all member states uh, have different policy preferences and procurement uh, priorities. ASEAN has not embarked on pool procurement of the vaccines, even though it may better, uh, it may get, it may mean better pricing due to the volume. So the effectiveness of the current existing cooperation uh, to achieve financial stability in responding to any financial shocks remains to be seen. Yes, so we are coming to the end of the show. I thank you very much um, uh, to Juki for your expert insight on ASEAN financial and capital market integration. I'm Siti Nurbaya. Thank you for tuning in and to Ideas Aloud and for more great conversations. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. To download our policy papers, visit our website on www.ideas.org.my. Thank you.